Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Cabbage out of here! Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 51, inching closer, closer to 100. I am joined in studio recording this live, well, not live, so I guess you'll hear it on Tuesday, recording on a Monday night, Hard House Studios at the University of Toronto, where you're joined with Christian Wolfgang Graffin and Javon Bigart. Boys, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. It's, uh, it's what, 10, 10, 45, 11 o'clock now? And yeah, somebody kind of showed up a little late to the... Uh, <laughs> Listen, listen, I had prior engagements, but you know you guys were at the top of my list, and I and I flew here in a car. I don't know how that's possible, but I flew here. You broke 11 uh, traffic violations Pri- just to get here. Prior engagements, it sounds like unnamed sources. It's, it's, like, <laughs> the same, it's like the same thing. Are right these now. Greg's unnamed sources you're meeting with right now? Uh, Greg will be back uh, within no. next week or the week after. I'm not quite sure when we'll do the next podcast. Nonetheless, guys... Something massive has happened in the world of basketball. Something happened. Guys, the trade went down after much speculation and much hoopla. Um, Carmelo Anthony is officially a free agent. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> guys, the imaginable happened. Uh, the lifelong Toronto Raptor, the man himself, the pride of Compton, DeMar DeRozan, was unfortunately flipped to the San Antonio Spurs with a heavily protected first-round pick and Jakob Pertl for a package of Danny Green and Kawhi fucking Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is a Toronto Raptor. Obviously, there's much to get to. Um, I'll start off with you guys. What is your first initial impression when you uh, found out the trade went down? Because I wanted Greg to be here because I want to give him the floor because I was so skeptical that the trade was going to go down in the first place. I didn't think we're going to trade DeMar. I didn't think we have the right pieces to put together to actually get anything um, actually to facilitate the trade in the first place. But Kawhi Leonard is a Toronto Raptor. Guys, how do you feel? Dude, I was the exact same way as you. I really did not think the Raptors had a chance here, but I guess the market kind of fell. Like, the Sixers didn't want to give up Fultz. Uh, Boston didn't want to do Jalen Brown. Yeah, or Tatum. Yep. So, you know, Masai just kind of snuck in there. And, I mean, it's a good trade for the Raptors in the sense that 
we have a team next year now that I think is is first. I think it's Boston is is unproven. Boston has not played together as a team uh, as their full unit right now. It's going to take the full year for them to gel, and then we'll see. Plus, there's going to be players on their team that aren't going to get the starting time or the time they got last year. Yeah, so, we mentioned that before. You know, giving Kate Gordon, exactly. Hayward, and Irving back into the fold after you know the the secondary core of the team pushed them to the uh, you know Eastern Conference. And finals. the 76ers are too young, so I think the Raptors, I think Masai specifically, decided. You know what? It's time to make a big splash. You heard it in the press conference. He said, we, "We've tried it. Yeah. I came here five years ago. I could have got rid of everybody, but now you know what? It's time to change this. And, and you know what? He got a top five, maybe top three player. I think he's fully healthy. I think he wants to play. It's a one-year contract. It's like a perfect situation for the Raptors right now. No, agreed for sure. Kawhi coming into the picture. You know, last week or two weeks ago when we did the last podcast, I was skeptical. I was like, "No, nah, we got to keep Demar. You know, we can figure stuff out with him." You know, so when he traded him, I'm not gonna lie, I was a little heartbroken. You know, the passion and, and, and the human aspect of me was just like, no, I don't want to see this guy go. This guy loves the city just as much as I do. You know, he came here, he inherited the city. And, you know, when Chris Bosch left, what was his tweet? Uh, I got us. Yeah, or Toronto's worry, on my back. Don't, don't worry, worry, I got, I got us. us. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, just knowing that guy loved the city just as much as every single fan. And, and not only did he want to play here, but he embraced playing here. And he showed it every single time he went on the court. And just to see that aspect of a player, you know, be shipped away, you know, it kind of hurt. It's but tough. Yeah, it's tough, exactly. Especially as a fan, you know. But, you know, as a business and, you know, as a businessman that uh, Masai is, you know, he had to do something. Would you, know? you would you blame you blame Masai for this? Or do you think he I don't blame ha- you think he was justified to apologize in the situation, especially you know I talking do. to Demar during the summer league, giving the promise, be able to say to him like you are part of our long term plans, and sort of instantaneously within a week flipping him for Kawhi Leonard. Well, the thing is, I don't think he said that he was part of the long term plans. I think what he s- said to him was he implied that Demar was going to be here because he said to Demar, "Hey, you know, this is what you have to do going forward. This is what the Raptors are going to be like." And I think he explained himself pretty good. He said. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't talk about my team as if, oh, I'm going to trade this guy as if I'm going to trade that guy. You know, he talks of, of his team as if, hey, this is my team right here. This is who I have. And this is what we're going to put on the floor. And then behind the scenes, obviously, you're looking to make adjustments. You're looking to, you know, upgrade and be better and mm-hmm. find those things. And, you know, it just sucked that having that mindset uh, led DeMar to think that, hey, you know what? I'm part of the Raptors long term. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, and you got to win. And, and Masai Ujiri, you know, he, he's, he, his loyalties aren't with DeMar DeRozan. His loyalties are with the Toronto Raptors and making them better. And, you know, those things aligned for the first five years of his tenure. It just so happened that, unfortunately, in the playoffs, you know, who are the two guys who were harping on the entire playoffs? Well, Dwayne Casey every and year. DeMar DeRozan. Well, Masai has no obligation to keep DeMar DeRozan the full. Keep in mind, DeMar DeRozan was on the team when Masai came in the first place, right? Exactly. That was a team exactly. that was, you know, a bottom of the base from the Eastern Conference. You know, we talk about this all the time. Rudy Gay trade, everything was a domino effect afterwards, and Kyrie Lowry and DeMar DeRozan sort of led that team for the last sort of five years for the Toronto Raptors. Yep. But why not? Like, really, why not, you know, take a gamble, take a plunge in this sort of situation? I talked to Christian Brothers this week, right? Getting swept again by the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, if DeMar DeRozan was a free agent at the end of this season, realistically, would have you offered him the same sort of contract? Because you got to think of the rebuild, you know, are we going to be able to beat Cleveland, right? You got to think, we flipped DeMar DeRozan, got out of the contract, flipped Pirtle, who we got for Andrea Bargnani, plus traded a very heavily protected first round pick for arguably, like Christian was mentioning, top five, top three guy in the NBA. Obviously, his career, his, you know, contract's 
up at the end of the year, but as you know, Sam Presti famously coined a tribe called Questline, scared money, make none, right? Same thing with Paul George last year. They had to make a gamble to make the team better, and the same thing with the Raptors right now. Worst case scenario, Kawhi leaves, and we start the rebuilding process. Look, I, from a fan perspective, from this trade before it happened, I was convinced that we'd have to give up either DeLon Wright, Siakam, or OG. Yeah. And I really, really thought that they they weren't going to get away from OG. Masai somehow pulled off the trade where we kept all of them. I mean, I know we couldn't have traded Van Vliet, but we, we kept all of them. So we also have Van Vliet. So we have a young core now going forward. Yeah. I think Kawhi is going to teach OG so much this year mm-hmm. um, of, of how to become him. Yeah. And I think, honestly, Kawhi is going to like OG. He's going to yeah, like yeah. that sort of personality, that like quiet sort of demeanor. And he's going to sort of take, take him under his wing. Uh, it's going to only help all the young players in the team. And this is this from the standpoint that he he does only come here for one year because I I truly believe if he's if he's here for just one year, it's going to be hard to walk away from a young core that I think he's going to like a city he's going to fall in love with, hopefully, and a team that, and a team. I honestly think he's going to. Man, everybody loves falls in love with Toronto. Yeah. It's hard. You just got to get here. Yeah, exactly. Once you, once you get off the plane, that's when the love affair starts. Before you know, everybody, everybody oh. says, "Oh, Demar had nine years." It's like he he liked it after the first. I mean, again, he had an option after the first three to walk away. So I just think with Kawhi and we're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals at least I, I truly well, do there, believe that as well it's there's be so much hard to walk away from there's that. so much behind the idea of people saying like Kawhi is not going to want to play this year for the Raptors he's going to be a disgruntled guy on this organization the, That's guy, has, the guy has so no untrue. option because again like we just said he has one year left of his contract this is his contract year he's got to show that A he's physically fit to play a full 82 game season but also earn that max contract that he's probably looking at at the end of the season as well see and and the, I know Greg if Greg was here right now he'd be talking about this call Coward uh, video that he talked about the Raptors today, and he basically said that there's no chance Kawhi stays. And all these 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 reports out right now about the fact that he's warming up to the idea of Toronto yeah. are basically all false. And he's basically saying that there's three reasons why: is because, uh, or the main reason I'll say is because it's the shoe deal. He said in Toronto, it's, you don't get enough, you know, notoriety, uh, notoriety, I guess, for for the NBA and the U.S. market. Or sports in general. Well, Jose yeah, Batista, exactly. Mr. Jumba Juice or I whatever mean, he was I mean, sponsored by. And the winter. He hates the cold. He, he, he's a guy who doesn't like the cold. goose jacket. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. But I mean, didn't Vince Carter get a shoe deal here? That's what, yeah, he made, do you remember the shocks? Right, exactly. He was like the I had shocks four was pairs. I had four pairs. He started off with Puma, the VC threes, yeah. and the VC fours. He started off with Puma, yeah, and then switched to Nike because Nike no, no. wanted him so Puma, badly. And then didn't he have and one during the dunk off competition? Well, he was he was yeah he did it in the dunk off competition. Right? Yeah. It's because he was sticking it. He was just trying to use a free agent in the sh- in the shoe. But again, it just shows that someone who. Is, is exciting yeah. and, and again if the Raptors are good I think Ka- and Kawhi will be the leader he'll be the, the leader no matter what on our team Listen, he will be elevated to becoming more of a, of a star because again this last year has hurt him and hurt his image so much that's the one thing I do agree with Colin Coward is this one year he, he has to show that he's not like that awkward and that odd of a person who won't play two seasons simply just to play in LA like it's you know what I mean like yeah, you don't yeah. want to be that guy in the NBA well he's got to reclaim exactly. his spot in the high 
hierarchy of who is the best player in the NBA. The consensus opinion prior to last season was Kawhi Leonard was number three behind Kevin Durant, LeBron two, James. Two right? years ago was number, he was number two. Exactly. You know, and he do, he does still have that skill set. You know, you're talking about, in my opinion, the best two-way player in the NBA yeah. um, and a guy that, you know, single-handedly, like we're kind of talking about, could carry this team to the NBA Finals. We also can't lose, lose sight of the fact that we also brought in Danny Green, who, you right. know, in my opinion, yeah. you know, Another shooter. fallen off a bit. But again, like you said, three and D guys, you know, how you can't have, you know, you can only, like, you, you can't have, have as many of those guys possible. You yeah, can't yeah. have enough of them exactly, right? Yeah. Like, take away DeMar and Kawhi and the first round pick. Would you have traded Pirtle for just Danny Green straight up? <laughs> Um. Oh man, it's t- it's tough to say. I love. I, I, I wouldn't. I, love I, wouldn't agree. It's just, it's, I love it's the fact need. that he can guard from the three to the five position. He can guard the three, the yeah. four, and the five. But Danny Green is one of the better defensive players. Like he can guard the best player on the other team. Talent. He, he can guard the one and the two. Talent wise, no. Talent wise, I wouldn't make the trade. You, but he like, can't guard Kawhi Leonard on defense. Being a ninth overall pick, I can't justify trading him for Danny Green, right? Pardon. Yeah. Say that again. Said, as a ninth overall pick. Only in the league for two years, I can't justify flipping him for Danny Green. I know. I mean, he was obviously a big part of the trade for them, yeah, for no, the Spurs. For sure. Like they wanted someone young. Yeah. Well, and you can't have Marcus Saul as your starting center in thirty plus, you know, minutes per game, right? Mark you at least my have words. is an All Star in two and three years. That is the it's hottest of hot takes. He's an All Star. I'm telling you. What, what are we betting on this? Because I'll take that bet. Listen, man. Whatever you want, I'm on it. I'm I'm throwing all my money down on that. He'll he'll Jakob learn a lot from, is, is, from Gasol, and he'll learn a lot from Aldridge, and he'll also learn a lot from Greg Popovich. And, he'll, and yes, his IQ right now, without those three, is already through the roof. He's so knowledgeable and intelligent about the game. He's only been playing basketball for seven years. Well, it's even well. like it's even the San Antonio Spurs sort of organization. Like, if you are a spur, you are a spur for life. Regardless, of who played there for a year, regardless, who played your entire career. Tim Duncan's going to be creeping around for sure. David Robinson's going to be lingering around the organization. Yep. He's still well, going to have still these is. like he veteran. Lives in San Antonio exactly, he's going to have these strong veteran yep. presence to be able to help him, especially with uh, his low post game as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you okay? So, just going to flip back. You mentioned Danny Green. Uh, and the reason I asked that question before about Pirtle is just simply because of the needs for the Raptors. Like the the three and D kind of player is is always been sort of a need, and we got that in this trade seemingly for nothing. Like he was almost like a throw in for for ten million dollars, and I get he's only one year uh, on the deal, but he's going to be. I honestly think he's going to be so valuable in the playoffs next year because he's going to be he's going to force his way into the starting lineup, and his defense, like you were saying earlier, to guard the two specifically, exactly. is going to be so integral for the Raptors lineup because OG and Kawhi can each guard the three or the four. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. And then it's between Ibaka and Valanciunas. Yeah. And I think it's going to be better when the two of them are fighting it out to get a spot on the floor as exactly. opposed to the two Don't of them just give getting automatic. Thing. Exactly. Getting an automatic starting lineup. Because right now we want to switch it to the starting lineups and what possibility like what yeah, we but the, possibly the, do. The one name we haven't dropped There's yet so though much. is the $22 million man Serge Ibaka. Like how does he fit into the sort of rotation crunch time lineup with the Raptors? Well I think that's where Nick Nurse comes in. And I think it, hmm. the onus on Nick Nurse is to make uh, uh, Ibaka a valuable player again because I don't think Dwayne Casey used him appropriately. Like he didn't give him enough instruction. But I think Ibaka has athleticism but he doesn't have the IQ and you got to really pamper and baby him hold his hand and be like okay this is what you have to do and this is what you have to do after the screen and then when the ball goes off the rim this is what you have to do and now, and now you got to run the floor even harder. Like I think you really got to uh, walk him through every single moment mm-hmm. of the game for him to be successful. I, okay so as much as I'd like to agree because 
you know, I want Ibaka to be a better player. I think this season more than any other, though, we're less reliant on Ibaka's offense. I, I don't know. I think it's it's more worth it, and or yeah, whatever the term would be, that you put that coaching effort into all the younger guys yeah. and to the other players than putting it into Ibaka. I don't think we're forced to play Ibaka as much as we did in the past with our current lineup. I think the current NBA is going small ball, so it's very likely that we could have one big out there on, on the floor and then have like a you know Kawhi or OG at the three or the four. And I don't really think Ibaka is necessarily going to need 25, 30 minutes a night. No. Even though we're paying him a ton, yeah. I think we have one season to figure it out. And that's what's going to, that's what this whole regular season is going to be about, is figuring out the right lineup for the playoffs. But every playoffs, it seems like Ibaka is always out there forcing shots oh, so and cool. always on the floor. And Dwayne Casey always forces him kind of out there. Because he gets paid $20 million. I, Exactly. I, I don't think, if anything, I think this year specifically, it's the one year you don't have to give him any any like forced minutes because you can kind of put your salary behind in the back of your mind. This is one season right now where we have Kawhi. Yeah. We got to make this season as far as possible to make him stay. Mm-hmm. We'll worry about the Ibaka situation later. Exactly. Uh, you know, Masai, he said there's a, there is a window and the window is almost closed. You know, you have this year and, and then the window's pretty much shut after that. It all to Kawhi. Yeah, pretty much. I think the most, I want to say frustrating or irritating thing about it, the one thing I, I would really think the team should have really thought about was the impact that a guy like Dwayne Casey could have had on a player like Kawhi Leonard. Right. Very sort of, you know, defeated personality, I guess. I don't know how you put it, but someone, you know, not quite sure if he wants to play for the Raptors, be able to convince them to stay in the six, to play for this organization, be part of his team. And uh, Nick Nurse, I haven't seen him yet. He could be a great sort of guy, but he seems more of an X and O's over a Jimmy and Joe's kind of guy. And I think Dwayne Casey is someone that could have really done a great job of mentoring Kawhi Leonard. I think with that, it's like, you know, with Dwayne Casey, DeMar was his guy, you know? Kyle is Casey's guy. And I don't want to say there would have been bad blood because of the fact that DeMar got traded for Kawhi, but I think that that would have had an effect on the way that Dwayne Casey would have coached Kawhi. And not, like, intentionally, but subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And I think that would have played into it. And with that being said, I think, you know, Masai has to do something about Kyle because, you know, Kyle's an emotional guy. You know, he wears his heart on his shoulder. And DeMar was his guy. Dwayne Casey was his guy. So, you know, I want to see how Kyle plays. Yeah, I think Kyle knew there was changes coming, though. Like, he he had to have known something was happening. And again... He's been pretty quiet since the whole thing happened, too. Yeah, I... It's going to be interesting to see what he says because he's usually very vocal about yeah, things. Yeah. Like he's kind of like Marcus Stroman. Yeah, and he, he's always out there and saying something, but. But I think, honestly, winning kind of trumps all. Yeah. And if the Raptors come out and they figure it out and they start the season well, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for pe- for any of the players to not have a good time. And, and bo- the, the player's job around Kawhi is to make Kawhi feel comfortable and to make him want to stay. Yeah. Like, half the roster right now is young talent on the Raptors. Like, yeah. those are the players that would end up growing. With They're all younger than Kawhi. Exactly. How old is Kawhi? Like, 26, 27? I think he's 26 or 20. Yeah, 26, 27, something yeah. like that. So, and, and Nick Nurse is another player that's going to learn that's where Danny Green sort of comes in for me how long has he been with Popovich now uh, you combine the two Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green their years under Popovich they're going to be able to sort of help Nick Nurse uh, he's an offensive specialist right? Mm-hmm. like that's Nick Nurse's like MO right now so if if we have that 
sort of defensive, I don't know, mindset already coming from Kawhi and Danny Green, and they could sort of help the Raptors, and and especially someone like Siakam, yeah, I could yeah. see them really wanting because he's so athletic. Like they can see that and help them with the defensive side, whereas Nick Nurse can switch the offensive sort of gear on, which is the one thing we are always missing in the playoffs. In the playoffs, we always get sort of in those offensive, you know, five minutes in a row where we don't score, and all of a sudden we go down ten. Yeah. I think that's going to be the difference where Nick Nurse is going to be huge. We look at uh, you know Boston Celtics for example, you know Gordon Hayward out, Kyrie Irving out as well, but the team was able to make it to the conference finals purely based on Brad Stevens' ability to design plays on the whistle, right? Maximize yep. his roster. Yeah. Well, Dwayne Casey wasn't good at that. Like mm-hmm. I hate to like if there's one he thing wasn't. he wasn't good at it was the it was those plays like right off the the whistle. Anything X's nose, like it always looked sloppy. You know, they say one thing a coach one of the things a coach can control is the out of timeout plays. And I don't know if you guys remember one of the out of timeout plays in game 3 against Cleveland. He drew up a play and there was, and they turned the ball over right away. Yeah. And that was like a critical moment yeah. in the game. And you're just looking at that and you're just like like this guy's ass is on the line right now. There, there were certain moments in the playoffs where cuz you Masai was sitting right there. Yeah. Right? He was sit, you could almost see when Masai was like I got to fire this guy. Yeah. There, there were certain moments and there were certain things Dwayne Casey did that it was you know it's of course game 1 Valanciunas could have hit a layup or one of the three layups and it would be a completely different story. Yeah. But he didn't. He kind of let the Raptors' attitude let game one get a hold of them. Like, the coach's main job is to make sure you don't let a game get the best of you. Yeah. And it's everybody says it. Like, yeah. the whole media says it, that game one was the reason why the Raptors lost, because we got deflated. Yeah. Well, the coach's job is to to, def- is to bring you guys back to, up. To inflate the team. Yeah. And how many, now we're what, 2-12, and 12, I think. 2-12 and 12 in the last three years against the Cleveland Cavaliers. How can you expect someone like Casey to, to be the motivating kind of guy? So I agree with you to a point, Brandon, when you say quick, imagine what Casey could have done with, with Kawhi. But I think, honestly, a fresh face in there. Like, the last thing you need is to be down 2 nothing to Cleveland in the playoffs, or sorry, Boston, I guess, in the playoffs this year, and have Dwayne Casey there saying the same thing he did the last three years. You know, scratching his head saying, shit, what can I do differently now? Yeah, it's going to be the same. The, the majority of the team is still the same. Yeah, They're going right. to be looking at each other going, we, we, they, he said this last year and yeah. the year before that when we lost to Cleveland. So I don't know. I think Nick Nurse is going to be kind of like that that Energizer Bunny, yeah. maybe. Let's flip the script a bit. So obviously, DeMar DeRozan, someone very close to our heart. It was very cheesy to say, but no, like Javon kind of touched base For on sure. this beforehand. But a guy that really, um, probably in my opinion, the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time, and someone who like is probably the only guy in the history of our organization, especially a superstar, that like verbally stated his pleasure of playing north of the border, playing in Canada, playing in Toronto, and being you know Toronto's only basketball team. Um, sort of similar to like a. Jerome Williams kind of guys. So yeah. I've been a bastard sport in Toronto as well. Exactly. Um, so how do you think he fits in the San Antonio Spurs team? Because my first, my only take, like the one take I'll throw at you guys first, I think he's going to evolve into a superstar. I think you got the best shooting coach in the NBA and Chip England. You got a guy like DeMar DeRozan who's still developing as a player who evolved as an incredible playmaker last year. A guy 4.55 assists per game who can be a point forward on the Spurs as well who's developing an outside shot, especially with the tutelage of a guy like Chip England, I think could become a very competent 35% three-point shooter as well. Um, getting a guy like Yaka probably talked about playing behind uh, Pau Gasol. What's, what's your impression on this organization moving next forward, especially with guys like DeJounte Murray, losing Tony Parker, um, losing Anderson, Kyle Anderson as well, and Marcus Aldridge coming back. You know, the team won, what, 48 games without Kawhi Leonard the entire year, essentially, and now they have DeMar DeRozan plus Greg Popovich. Still got Popovich. Still, Still got, got Pop. Pop. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan entering that situation, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge for him because he's gonna have a guy who's not gonna take no bull and it's not gonna just put him on the court just because he's DeMar DeRozan. You know, I feel like Pop is gonna be like, hey, listen, this is what you gotta do, and if you don't do it, you know, you'll be on the bench. And I think that's gonna force DeMar to evolve even more, even more as a playmaker. You know, even though DeMar DeRozan was a playmaker this year, and yeah, the four and a half assists, five assists a game, you know, when shit hit the fan and it came down to, you know, the end of game situations, you know, he still had sticky fingers. He still re resorted back to his old ways, you know, those old habits, you know, they never died. And, you know, I think that was the downfall in a lot of games during the regular season, but especially in the playoffs, you know, he the ball would, the ball would stop at DeMar and, you know, that's when the Raptors would lose. So I think for him to be successful in San Antonio, he's going to really have to buy into what Pop is teaching with the ball movement and, you know, sharing the rock. And, you know, and if he doesn't, you know, he's going to have a tough year. He's going to be motivated as well. The guy's going to have a chip on his shoulder, 100% that, being flipped from Toronto, right? Yeah, I think that's my main point is like, DeMar DeRozan seems like one of those players like in the playoffs for the Raptors and stuff. In the moment, it's hard for him to just sort of catch fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get really motivated and like, it, seem, it seems that way anyways. Um, but you give him a full off season and we, I've heard the work ethic from DeMar DeRozan. He improves some, some aspect of his game every single off season. Yeah, right? exponentially like as well. Uh, a lot exactly now could you imagine like you were saying with England he's going to improve his shooting a ton could you imagine if DeMar DeRozan comes out next year like a 38% three point shooter averaging 28 the Spurs are good with LaMarcus Ultra like I can see all that happening mm -hmm. because again DeMar is one of those players that's very coachable like yeah, he yeah. seems like a player that could be he's moldable mm -hmm. whatever Greg Popovich wants out of him and again like this is not new for Popovich he, he he's had a chance to to use DeMar with Team USA he's going to have another chance to use him again if they decide to play in the minicamp but it, it's not a new player like he knows DeRozan just because he's been in the East and he doesn't play against him he knows him very well so it's it's going to be one of those things where I think instantly you're going to see uh, DeMar DeRozan be the, the, the main focus of Pop's offense and and I think he's going to have a great year. It's going to be, he's going to do it all in spite of the Raptors too. Mm -hmm. um, but it, which is fine because I honestly don't think the Spurs are going to go far in the Western Conference, like realistically. We look at like the the last couple superstars who've left Toronto. Vince Carter obviously is still a massive asshole in my opinion. I don't forgive him <laughs> whatsoever, but still like left the team. Um, Chris Bosh, Miami Heat, you know, also left the team. And 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 I don't know, like Carter, I hate him. Bosh, I don't hate him as much, but he left to join the superstar, the trifecta with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Miami. I mean, he went first. And. Um, I don't know, man. Like Demar, like when I watch him on the Spurs jersey, that's that's my team in the West now, man. Like I, I I'm behind that guy still, 100. percent Like I still love Demar Derozan, absolutely. And I'm still saying this right now, like a little emotional. It kind of breaks my heart to say that Demar Derozan's no longer a Toronto Raptor. This guy has been the face of this team for years, man. He's one guy that I just honestly like unconditionally, no matter what situation, would always show love and support for. Even the playoffs when we were struggling last year, the majority of the city was just showing their love for that guy. That guy epitomized the six basket ball and it's just it's still tough to see him go so it's it's, it's great that he's on a in a situation where he's on a shit organization because we could have obviously flipped him to you know the the basement dwellers of the nba the teams of cap space but he's in a perfect situation to evolve as a player 28 yeah, yeah. especially right in his prime right yeah, yeah it's tough it's tough to see someone like demargo he's definitely the most beloved raptor i mean in terms of the most talented i, I think it's tough to say right because vince carter when he was here was certainly like the most electrifying it, it's tough if there's like a mount rushmore it's the 
those three, mm-hmm. I would say Bosch, uh, Bosch nah. Carter, and I mean, Demar. They can get a plaque. Demar gets a fucking statue. There he we gets go. A statue. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, again, he he did so much beyond basketball as well. It was for bigger than basketball for the city DeMar. of Toronto. And, and, and <laughs> well, like shout out said, to your prep team right there. Yeah. There you go, baby. <laughs> like, like you said, the, he was the he was like the only one who wanted to stay. Yeah. And that fans know that. Fans love that. I think every fan will be cheering for DeMar in San Antonio. I don't think anyone hates him. He he, he put that the Instagram message out saying he loves Toronto. Yeah. Like it's genuine, you no, know? For like sure. it, it it is really really tough to see I'm not sure like if his go. kids were born here, but I know, you know, his family's based here and you know they had a home here and well it's all his kids kids have known right it exactly. has to be they're like so, what like in single digits right He's he became a man here he, grew, he was a kid so, and he came here and he became a man one question I want to throw to you guys right now so obviously we're talking about restacking the deck um, bringing in Kawhi Leonard guys like Danny Green as well Kyle Lowry, we're talking about him being might be potentially disgruntled coming in next season. DeMar DeRozan was a really close friend to him. We're also talking about a guy entering age 32, 33, typically that age when point guards fall off the face of the earth because of athleticism. Who, Darren Williams? Kyle Lowry. Well, oh. yeah, we'll throw Darren Williams out there for example. Prime example, right? Uh, and we're also talking about a team that has is flush with depth at a point guard position. Guys like DeLon Wright, Fred, Fred Van Vliet. Um, what do you think of Kyle coming into next season? Do you think he's going to be playing under 30 minutes per game? What is his role going to be on the offense of this team? Crunch time minutes as well, let's say. He's a mentor for the young guys. You know, Van Fleet grew a lot. DeLon Wright grew a lot last year. So I think they'll have a three-headed attack at the point guard position. You know, Kyle Lowry, I I still see him getting over 30 minutes a game. Probably 30, 31. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, But not like 36, 38 the way it was before. Uh, And yeah, like Kyle Lowry has to buy in. Like this is what the Raptors are right now. There's no going back. Uh, The trade was made to make the Raptors a better team. On paper, they are a better team. Now he just has to buy in and and execute what Nick Nurse and what Masai want and ultimately just be the same leader that he was. It's going to be different. You know, I don't think Kawhi Leonard is going to be, a, a, you know, that leader that DeMar was for the team. So I think the onus is on, you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry to really step up and be like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm the leader of this team, but Kawhi, this is your team. This is your team. And he needs to let everybody else in that clubhouse know, hey, you know, I'm the veteran here. I'm, I'm that presence. But at the end of the day, this is Kawhi's team. And yeah. See, it's tough because I think between those four guys right now, Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, Kyle Lowry, and Danny Green, I think the four of them are going to share the one and the two a lot. Uh, Danny Green, obviously, is going to be primarily simply just the two. But you saw it last year. You, you saw the three of them on at the same time sometimes yeah. with Lowry, Van Vliet. And so, I, again, it's like I said earlier, small ball seems to sort of take over. Um, Lowry and Van Vliet can both hit the three. So they can both kind of even play the two and three. The problem is defense. If you can get, like, again, we have a Bach and Valanciunas who could be fresh now and Siak. So the the main reason I'm excited for next year is because it's so many options we have. Like we have 10 good players. It's almost hard to even slot in where CJ Miles fits in because, yeah, he's going to come off the bench, but probably as like the 10th man on the roster. Well, he's going to play like the role he's going to play next year is the role he probably should have been playing this year as being more of a three point special as opposed to a guy that, you know, great ball handler kind of playing out of his sort of wheelhouse. But I don't I I just don't think Kyle's going to lose that many. I think, again, it's going to be interesting to see what Nick Nurse does because if Kawhi's healthy, then I think right away we're going to see no droppage less than 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, again, he'll still be out there quite a bit a game. Uh, but last year, I think we did a good job. Like, that's the one thing Dwayne Casey, I think, 
did great is preserving all the minutes. He kept everyone's average, like he kept Kyle and Demar's like around the low 30s. I think it, that was out of necessity good. too, though. It was good though for the playoffs. I think it was Popovich does it, yeah. so might as yeah, well yeah. do it as well. Honestly, I think it's a good thing, especially with someone like Kawhi who's coming off an injury. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those things where I think Kawhi, uh, he might be leaned on early, where Kawhi if he has to come back and slowly integrate himself into the system. But you're right. I think by the end of the season, by the time the playoff rolls around, it's going to be Kawhi's team. It's yeah. going to be his to take over and his to lead. Yeah. And if it's not that way, then I don't think the Raptors will be as successful as they should be or they could be. All right, guys. We're going to be making this a very quick pod. It's getting really late for us right now because Javon was incredibly late for this fucking pocket. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, we're going to do a quick one, roughly half an hour long or so. Uh, any last points you guys want to throw out there? Yes, I have a quick point, and I've heard this a lot now recently, is that if the Raptors aren't doing well, if they feel Kawhi is not going to resign, roughly by the trade, deadline they can always flip them um, that's interesting I was talking to Javon about this the other day you know obviously Kawhi wants to play in LA what's value well what's, what's what I'm talking about right now so even if we are in a position to want to trade Kawhi maybe we start tanking maybe he doesn't want to be on the team maybe there's a bunch of turmoil in the locker room Maybe send him the Clippers. Bring in the hometown, no, not the hometown, but the Canadian. They pride of Hamilton, Shea Gildas Alexander, maybe Tobias a first round pick, Tobias Harris, whatever. Maybe getting 70, 60 cents on the dollar at the time. But I like that trade. I like that versatility of getting, like you said, Tobias Harris and Shea Gildas Alexander. On paper, maybe because they make offered him a sense, contract and denied it already. So. Yeah, but for rebuilding as an organization, imagine having like guys like these long, lanky guys who can play make and play one to three, guys like DeLon Wright, you know, even OG and Anobi, and, and as I just mentioned, Shea Gildas Alexander. Just like you connected the Bargnani trade to Pirtle, it's going to be the same thing. Everyone's going to connect DeMar to getting shy Gilders Alexander and they're going to be like, why Why did we trade DeMar DeRozan? I don't know. He looks like Someone one of the best a- players in the draft in the summer league so far from the small sample size of the six games, is, but he looks incredible. You know, with DeMar DeRozan, you know, as much as we all love him, you know, a lot of times throughout the season and the playoffs, you know, it was addition by subtraction. Once DeMar DeRozan went on the bench and then the you know, the, the, the bench mob came in, like we built leads, you know, we overcame deficits. And then when DeMar DeRozan came back in the game, it was like that lead never grew, or at times that lead actually shrunk. And then, you know, games that were, you know, we, were, we had them in the bag, they became close, or they went to the, you know, overtime. And then, yeah, DeMar DeRozan might've won the game, but like, did the game have to go there? So I think a lot of times, like in the playoffs, and sometimes in the regular season, especially the playoffs, you know, when DeMar DeRozan was on the bench, it was addition by subtraction. And, you know, even if it is DeMar DeRozan for Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, you know, I wouldn't be mad. You know, I think I think DeMar DeRozan, you know, he maximized and he peaked as a Raptor. And, you know, we we the Raptors peaked and it was just time to, you know, it's time for change. It's time for a new era and it was time for you know, that DeMar DeRozan era was great for what it was. And, you know, it's just time to start uh, a new era. For me, honestly, the, the I wouldn't be looking to trade him somewhere he wants to go. Like, I wouldn't say I have to trade him to the Clippers or to the Lakers just because he wants to go there. My number one trade target would probably be Philly or Boston, right? Like, they're going to be teams that are going to be trying to compete with, like, maybe, like, with the Raptors. They're going to be trying to compete to win, especially against Golden State. They're going to be offering the most. So maybe now... 
they're not willing to offer someone like Tatum or someone like Fultz or something like that. But once they realize halfway through the season that it's kind of like the missing piece and you know what, maybe we don't need Covington and Sarich and, and Fultz. Again, who knows? Like maybe we can get someone where they just go, they're not getting enough minutes anyways. Let's just go for it this year. We haven't beat or Simmons anyways, or we have, you know, Tatum anyways for the long haul. Uh, let, let's just go for it now. So I, again, a team with Kawhi and, and Hayward and Leonard is really scary. Like that's a team that maybe on paper could compete with Golden State. So who knows? I think if anything, as you get closer to the trade deadline, it gets more and more interesting. But I, I, that's why I don't think Masai is, is totally committed to Kawhi. I yeah. think it's a really interesting point that it's a possibility that if all is not going well or we don't have a good feeling about him in the head office, we can always flip him. So it's not over yet. We haven't just traded, you know, DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. It's, it, we for, could, for a one year. Exactly. We This could be something just to plan for the future even more so. Yeah. Like Who this knows? trade is far from complete yet. We yeah. still have a... Trust in Masai. Trust in Masai. You know what? That's that's the main point of today. Yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I can say about Masai Ujiri is that the moment he came in here, he wasn't. He never slept. He was always trying to make the Raptors better, whether it was trading uh, Rudy Gay or, you know, all the, you know, the draft picks that he did and then, you know, extending DeMar and then firing Dwayne Casey and getting rid of DeMar. Like, he's always making moves that, you know, in the moment might hurt or in the moment might be great, but he's always trying to make the Raptors better and he's never sleeping and he's never saying, you know what, this is it, this is the peak. And, you know, for better or worse, you know, you got to appreciate the guy. You know, he's, he's earning his money. Agreed. And just to go, like, the last, my very last point is, like, our starting lineup or even – we have so many lineup possibilities, but my favorite one – Versatility. My favorite one is going to be the small ball lineup when we have, like, Lowry and Van Vliet. And then we have OG, Kawhi, and maybe even, like, Siakam out there. Or, or Danny, Danny Green, Green or Miles. Danny Green, yeah, uh-huh. or Miles. It's the three-point shot. It's good. We're going to be a tough, tough, tough team to guard. I have a Milwaukee lineup for you. Ready? You ready for this Milwaukee lineup? Yeah. DeLon Wright. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Siakam, and uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Ibaka. That's my uh, Milwaukee lineup right there. Just length, length from one to five. Who guards? Uh, oh yeah, I guess uh, Kawhi can guard. Uh, it, it, see, that's the other thing is Kawhi having someone like Kawhi being able to guard the other team's best player. And do it so effectively. Like, this is a guy that can guard LeBron James. It already limits everything. It puts so much onus on the other four players. Like, it's so exciting. And OG can guard LeBron. Yes. Kevin Kevin Garnett, or sorry, uh, Kevin Durant and 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 uh, Clay Thompson will get locked up in the in any game. (laughs) (laughs) They will get locked up. We just need uh, Lowry to not get shook by Curry. I feel like we have the same conversation for six years. Delon Wright will lock up Curry. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Obviously, we're a Toronto basketball podcast, so I just want to show some love uh, toward the victims of uh, the disgusting, repugnant shooting that went down last night on Danforth. Uh, We typically record our podcasts on Chester Station. I don't want to be one of those people to make it about themselves in this discussion. I just want to show my love, my sympathy and condolences to everyone who was impacted by that catastrophic shooting yesterday. And um, most definitely, especially the two victims. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the two women. Right. And uh, with that, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Again, we are Toronto Sport Matters. You can catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Uh, we'll be back maybe next week, maybe the week after. We're in the off season. If anything topical comes up, you will hear from us. Like a Kevin Love, like a Kevin Love trip. 
trade, maybe? Oh, you never know. You never know. And it's in the For docket. Norman Powell? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. We, do, we did not mention Norman Powell at all in this podcast. Uh, Mr. $11 million. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back. Hopefully soon. And with that, have a great week. Woo!